covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us as we talk all things baseball for another week and well, quite honestly, it was not a uh, great week. My confidence level that we have baseball this summer, unfortunately, is continuing to move in the wrong direction as it seems like negotiations are going in the wrong direction between Major League Baseball players and Major League Baseball owners. I wish I had more positive things to say. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know I've been incredibly positive uh, really up until last week or maybe the week before that we would have some version of baseball this summer and I'm a lot less confident now than I have been in a really long time. We'll get into more of that coming up in just a moment. As always, uh, let's start things off by uh, taking care of our housekeeping items. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, want to subscribe and leave a ranking and review, that would be fantastic and much appreciated. And if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. On this week's podcast, we are very happy to uh, welcome on our uh, featured guest this week is going to be Kevin Holden. He is the sports director at uh, CBS 58, also uh, part of the Brewers broadcast team as he is the Spanish play-by-play voice for Brewers games that run on Telemundo, Wisconsin. So uh, Kevin Holden is going to join us coming up here in just a few moments. I've been thinking a lot about what has happened here uh, regarding players versus owners in the last week, and I think what's most disheartening is there doesn't seem to be any earnest negotiation going on. There's proposals that are being sent from one side to the other, and then simply no response, and the next proposal that goes from the other side back is just a, a brand new thing. A negotiation includes give and take, and right now it feels like each side, the players and the owners, are just completely dug in. We're not going to get into the argument of who's right, players, owners, who's to blame. Like At this point, it doesn't matter because at this point, each side is not moving. When, when you're negotiating, it's supposed to be about give and take, and each side right now feels like they've already given up as much as they're willing to give up, and each side is wanting to take as much as they possibly can. And that's not a good place to negotiate from. And you have these individuals who are part of the negotiations who their profiles are not exactly the profiles of individuals who are going to be able to go in and and work together and, and find compromise and find common ground. Baseball has talked about unilaterally pushing forward with a season around 50 games. Uh, Some people have said the range is somewhere between 40 and 60. Others have said 48 to 52. Whatever it might be, some think that it's just a threat to because 50 games is about the middle point uh, or excuse me, uh, 82 games is the middle point between the 50 and the 114. So how how legitimate Major League Baseball really is going to be and how, how if they're going to push forward with the idea of a very short season just so they can get into the postseason. Who knows? Players aren't going to go for it. Major League Baseball owners feel like players don't have an option, but they do. 
Uh, they, I, I don't think they can strike. I think part of the the that March agreement was that they got that bit of money at the beginning of the year or beginning of when the season uh, would be played that they can't strike, but they can do a bunch of other things that essentially is a strike. Uh, they cannot approve an expanded playoff. They can file a grievance, and filing a grievance would probably take so long that you wouldn't have much of a, a shot for a season. They can stonewall on health protocols, and because both sides have to agree on the health protocols, so there, there's there are certainly things players could do to oppose Major League Baseball owners trying to just push forward with a 50 or so game season without players' approval. A week ago, two weeks ago, would you ever? I would have never thought those words were coming out of my mouth that baseball players were going to have to file a grievance or baseball players were going to have to decide not to do any type of compromise on health stuff just to be able to uh, stop the owners. And their their biggest card that they can play is not approving an expanded playoff and not approving any playoff games to be played at neutral sites. Major League Baseball's play here is to try to get to the postseason, and the more games and the more teams you have in the postseason, the more money. Uh, the number that I've seen thrown about is that this year's postseason would be worth about $787 million to Major League Baseball. So while they would lose money during the regular season, if they can get to a postseason, they would have $787 million just sitting there waiting for them, and that's what they are trying to get to. It's a lot of money stuff. It's... Um, I'll still say this. I, I I don't know if it's fifty one forty nine, fifty five forty five. It's it's not sixty. It's not sixty. I don't know what my percentage is, but I, I I still think there's going to be a season. My confidence level is incredibly low. It might be a fifty one forty nine situation. I keep saying to myself, and I've said this on this podcast before, there's going to be smart people on each side that understands what is at stake right now and why there needs to be a season. I believe that a lot more earlier than I do now. I'm starting to kind of back off that a bit, but that's uh, that's unfortunately where we're at, and it's it's not a, not a great place to be. So with that, let's go to a great place. Let's welcome in uh, good guy extraordinary is the sports director at CBS 58. He is the Spanish play-by-play broadcaster for the Brewers. He also does the Spanish play-by-play for the preseason Packers games as well on uh, Telemundo, Wisconsin. He is Kevin Holden. You can follow him on Twitter at 321QKevin. I even think this is his first time appearing on the podcast. We've done some stuff on radio together, but I don't think he's ever been on uh, this podcast as we do uh, welcome in uh, Kevin. Kevin, thanks for the time. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Yeah, first time here and uh, glad to join you, glad to talk some baseball. I think any time that we can talk any kind of baseball right now at least makes me feel a little better. It's a little therapeutic even if there is no game or you know it's something in a season right now to talk about it's just nice to talk about it not trying to start you off on a negative sense but i mean this past week past two weeks has not been good when it comes to players and owners negotiating and i use air quotes when i say negotiating because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of negotiating actually going on what, what would you say your level of disgust is at, at the current situation i'd say it's extremely high for a couple of different reasons i mean this is 
you know, sometimes in life you you uh, you have squabbles, you know, between people. You have squabbles between groups of people, and we've seen plenty of times, no matter what the situation, where there's a decision that there's something greater that you have to work through. There's some there's a greater purpose to to uh, you know something that's better than than the uh, the conflict between two sides. And in this case, we've seen what 2020 has been in this country in so many different ways. You know, the the obviously the virus and what it's done to professional sports, but you know, division among people and baseball has been for a century, more than a century, a uniter of sports. It's got the name the National Pastime for a reason. And it's this was a golden opportunity, I thought, for baseball in a time where there's been questions about it uh, with the younger generations and, and, you know, it being a, quote, past sport. I thought baseball really could have done something great by getting a plan together. It has to be a safe plan, but getting a plan together to return to action. And now baseball has been jumped by the NHL that has a plan without dates as of, uh, as of now. The NBA, which has a plan with dates. And baseball is still stuck talking about money at a time when there's so many greater things. So the, the level of disgust, unfortunately, is is really high. And the level of optimism is really low right now. Based on what we've seen, I don't know if there's going to be a season. It's a PR nightmare because, okay, let's say you're on the player side. And like you get it, they don't want to take a huge pay cut. For that guy out there who makes thirty grand a year, barely makes ends meet, and then he lost his job two months ago, and all of a sudden, at the very, you know, even the like, I don't, I don't think major league baseball players make quite as much money as people think they make, especially on the lower end. Uh, it's like sixty percent of baseball players have made less than a million dollars as far as their take home pay. Uh, so it, it's not this obscene amount of money for so many of the players. But the same sense, even if we're talking about a guy getting one hundred and fifty thousand, it's really hard for that guy who makes 30000 but does, is, he, is completely out of work right now to want to hear about players you know, kind of crying over it. But all at the same time, the players have a point on what they're doing. It's, just, it's a PR nightmare that's really hard to apply real-world standards to it. It's the truth. And the, on top of it, you have this layer of these two sides having sort of arrived at this point over the course of several years. It isn't that they just started squabbling now. This is going back the last couple of years in free agency and this this talk among players of there being collusion in, in free agency and, uh, you know, issues with arbitration cases, issues with, uh, you know, signing players, and now issues uh, the, the players believe with, uh, <clears throat> with the owner's books. In other words, the owners will say, this is the amount of money that we make or that we take in, but the players don't trust it because there are plenty of income sources now for teams that aren't just ticket sales. You've got TV money. Uh, in some in the cases of some teams, you've got uh, other entertainment districts around the stadium. There are other ways to make money these days. So there's been a distrust that has built for so long, really for I, I think at least five years, mm-hmm. maybe longer. And uh, this was going to come to a head in a couple of years. But uh, now the fact that it's happening now, <clears throat> as you mentioned with everybody – uh, you know, so many people out of work and so many people struggling to make ends meet. Baseball seems farther from the common person now than it has maybe at any point that I've ever seen. And that's where the issue comes in the other sports. Those athletes are making a ton of money, too, but they're making this work. And unfortunately, that squabble, that that strife between players and owners has become this central thing. And it is to me, the longer they go without playing, it is going to have a long lasting effect on the game. It really getting into the weeds, but I think it's a big part of it when you look at Manfred, when you look at the uh, assistant commissioner, um, 
Harlem or Haslam, whatever his name is. Um, and then you look at Tony Clark with the Players Association. Uh, you look at his chief negotiator, who had been Don Fear's top lieutenant at one point. It seems like everybody involved in this, they've got the profile of of not peacemakers. They've got the profiles of digging into what they believe and try to force the other into to come more to their side. And when you got all those people with that profile, it just seems like a disaster. Yeah, you've got <clears> – <throat> this goes back decades too because the MLB Players Union has been so strong. I mean, it goes back really to the, to the early 70s and the first strike that happened in the game. It wasn't an extended strike, but that was the beginning of – power of the players union and you, you you can trace five decades of it you can go to the start of free agency in the mid-70s you can go to there were a couple of small threats of of strikes there was something in in 81 there was something in 85 very briefly and then in 1994 the sport lost a world series all of these were fights between players and owners and honestly over time the players were the ones winning at least financially that's not to say the owners are in any sort of financial trouble. We are talking millionaire players and billionaire owners. And Matt, you make a great point, which is they, they both, when you sit down and talk about the numbers of it, they both have points. The players, you know, want a, a certain percentage. They don't want to have to risk things without at least getting something in return. The owners are claiming that they might lose money on a season like this with no fans. Those are both valid points. And I think if you had two cordial sides sitting down, if you didn't have five decades of history, it'd be okay. But as you say, you've got Manfred and, and this thought from a lot of people that Manfred is kind of a union busting kind mm -hmm. of guy. We've been reaching this point for a while where the league looks like it's trying to reduce the power of the players union. And, and, and again, it's <laughs> in a vacuum. It's one thing. If we're talking about this in 2002, it's one thing, but it's just against this backdrop of the country right now. It's just, it's such a difficult thing. Well, I was 12 years old for the 94 strike. So I was just coming into my loving baseball, loving sports, but at the same time, I, I wasn't, I was a 12 year old, so I didn't understand strike and work stoppages and everything. But I, I still occasionally hear from somebody who says they're still mad about the 94 strike or I never came back to baseball after the 94 strike. Do you, if they miss this entire season, do you think it is more or less damaging than 94? I think, I think it's a 94 level situation. Maybe, maybe long term it might be just a little bit better than 94 only because there will be a percentage of people that can chalk this up to the extraordinary circumstances where 94 was literally just a fight between players and owners. There wasn't a virus that they were trying to plan through. Maybe it's a little bit better because of that, but honestly it's 1994 level to me. And as time goes on, it's tougher when you lose uh, portions of a season because, again, you know this, Matt. We When we talk to uh, those that are younger than us, those that don't remember the 94 yeah. strike, those in their 20s, they, you know, it's it's a lot of basketball now and quite a bit of NFL, but uh, the, the young appeal in the sport of baseball is not what it was even 10 years ago. And baseball cannot afford, I think, to not be not have something going on you're not going to gain fans if you're not playing games and that's uh that's a, a big part of it so you missed the 2020 season i'm going to call it equal with 94 it'll have that kind of effect on the game that was a bad effect for sure what are you missing the most right now just uh, and you're you're a fan you're somebody who covers it for tv you're somebody who is a broadcaster for for the team at times as well what what are you missing right now 
So the biggest thing, the number one thing I'm missing is sitting down with my wife on an off day and looking at a schedule and saying, hey, the White Sox are at home tonight. Hey, the Beloit Snappers are at home tonight or, you know, whoever is is in our area is at home. Or if we have three days off together and we see, you know, this is as crazy as we are, we'll see that there are baseball games in South Bend and Indianapolis and Louisville. And we'll say, you know what, we could make that a three-day weekend and we'll just sort of go spur the moment and go to all these different games. It's that to me is the biggest thing that's missing is that that release of being at the ballpark. And it, I think it works even better for me as a fan because without the work responsibilities, I'm taking in the game, I'm taking in the atmosphere. To me, it's calming and relaxing and fun at the same time. And uh, and all of that is gone. I, I think that the second thing that I'm missing is the Spanish aspect of it because without this, I, I've gone, I'm thinking now, September. I've gone nine months without broadcasting a game in Spanish. I'm a little worried right now. I might not be able to do it. <laughs> Give me a home run call in Spanish right now. All right, here we go. <laughs> I got to really dig deep for this, right? <laughs> Ryan Rondo, one of those strikes. Un batazo profundo, increíble y cuadrangular. Ryan Ron. That's not terrible. No, that's, that's good. Terrible. You rolled the R. That I wish I could do that. I'm jealous. <laughs> Take some time to learn that for sure. That's the thing is we're we're gonna have to, and, and you're in the same boat too. Like with anyone that's that's working and doing something involved with these games, that there's a there's a rhythm to it. Baseball's mm-hmm. a rhythm sport because it's every day. It's gonna take a while, even if we have a season. It's gonna take a while to get in that rhythm. Yeah, and I know we're talking to you, but just from uh, before I got to Milwaukee, I did ten years of minor league baseball play by play, and even before that, I was involved in some college baseball stuff. I'm at 15, 16 years of being so used to some version of the baseball lifestyle. And baseball, more than any other sport, is a lifestyle. And it is so weird to not have it right now. Yeah, and the thing about baseball is it, it occupies a space that really no other sport occupies. I think that's one of the benefits that baseball has had, which is on any summer night, except around the All-Star game, on any summer night, you can turn on your TV and you can see someone somewhere playing Major League Baseball. And that that it doesn't have to compete with the NBA or the NFL or the NHL. It doesn't you know, it has pretty much its own way in the summer, its own uh, spot. That to me is uh, it's valuable these days. I mean, you've got so many competing things for, for people's time, competing messages, competing everything that if you are the sport with the center for a whole season of the year, the summer, it's it's essential. I I definitely admit, like my Tuesdays in in May and June, you know, when I would normally be watching ten games at once. Mm-hmm. I'm playing words with friends, man. I got nothing. Have you gotten pretty good? Have you have you improved at words with friends? Yeah, I I'm learning all these words that aren't words. You know, I'm just getting like like that's you know putting some random four letters together. I'm like that's not a word, is it? I have to go look them up. That's funny. Uh, what's the? Uh, I don't think a lot of people know. What's the story? You you can speak Spanish clearly, but you, you're not a uh, a quote unquote Spanish broadcaster in the sense that you you know, your your day job, your full time job, you're not you're not speaking Spanish as part of it. What's the story for uh, that you led got led to the uh, Spanish uh, TV broadcast booth? Crazy crazy story. I, I have a a Spanish degree and a broadcast degree from school, so I was not I didn't grow up in a Spanish speaking household or anything like that. Uh, it was a Spanish minor, turned it into a Spanish major, put that diploma away and thought I'd never use it. Come to Milwaukee and the, my, my day job at uh, the CBS station here, Telemundo, Wisconsin is in the same building. They're owned by the same people. 
And when I got hired, they said, oh, yeah, we can use your Spanish. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You're going to want me on your Spanish speaking station, whatever. And then uh, I did a, a like a one minute update. And man, it was it was terrible, but I got it out. And they say, you know, we do Brewers games. Are you interested in calling color? And so there's your there's your moment where that's a dream. And. I mean, if it was in Swahili, I would have learned Swahili because yeah. it's my dream. Yeah. I wanted to do that my whole life. So I, I did it. I was absolutely terrible for like the first two years and got a little better and then eventually took over the, the play-by-play. But yeah, this was this was no planned path, Matt. This was, this was a weird one. How much do you enjoy it and how much does it continue to challenge you? It is, it is absolutely the coolest thing that I have ever done in broadcast. And that's saying a lot because I, I love this industry this field what i do for for cbs 58 what i do covering wisconsin sports is it's like a dream every day but this is the peak of it and the challenge you're absolutely right about the challenge because to speak the language of baseball is one thing but to speak the spanish language of baseball is a completely other thing and you know there's baseball is a sport of subtlety you have a lot of time between pitches you have to go into situations explain things uh it is you know, to be able to do that in a way that can be understood in a foreign language, it's not your first language. Is, uh, I, so I, I'll, I'll tell you my secret. Uh, I Coffee brings out the Spanish in me a little bit. Hmm. So right before air, I usually get two to three cups of coffee right before air. So you'll notice sometimes in the first or second inning, if I'm a little overcharged, I'll talk it about double speed. And Jaime Cano, our color guy's got like, come on now, come back down a little bit, come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and I, you've told me stories before you know you have a even though it's all connected you still have your obligations at, at cbs 58 there's been times i know where like mid-game haven't you basically had to do some do some things on cbs and then go back to the broadcast you've had some crazy experience especially when there's that brewers packers uh you know crossover period yeah so so the day job is still the day job and uh, for for that day job, there's a 5:30 newscast. So the Telemundo broadcast is at one o'clock. If there's any way possible that someone else can work uh, at 58 that day as a sports person, then we take advantage. But there are times like Packers games where it just can't happen. So we just hope, uh, like loudly, that uh, that the game doesn't go long. But there's one one in particular, uh, this, this game that Martin Maldonado won in the 17th inning. It was Mother's Day 16 or 17. It was a few years ago. Uh, that game was a six-hour game. And we were stuck because I had both jobs. I was calling play-by-play on the Spanish station, and they needed me to do a, a game on the uh, – or the broadcast on, on 58. So we had to – Basically, the engineer was plugging and replugging, and I stood in the in the booth, facing the camera, and talked about what was happening behind me while uh, Hector Molina, who was with me, took over the game completely. So we were broadcasting Spanish and English at the same time, basically. And I just had to explain to the viewers, I'm like, look, this is live TV. Sometimes crazy things happen. This game is still going on, and I'm stuck in this booth. So let me tell you about what happened here, and then tonight at ten, I'll I'll actually you know run this down for you. It was crazy. That's uh, that's yeah, it is crazy. It's fun. I, I love that story. I'm I'm glad you're able to tell it to other people because probably a lot of people don't realize that sort of stuff goes on. How are you impacted? And we talked about this before we started the interview. And uh, even though people are only hearing this, we can see each other right now because we're doing this conversation via Zoom, and we're doing the conversation where you've been largely doing uh, your sportscast here recently. 
Yeah, so the at-home era of uh, of sports and news has kind of hit us. And anybody that's watched a local newscast, you know that either some or in some cases all of your broadcasters are at home. You have anchor teams even where one news anchor is in the studio and one's at home. For sports, we've been completely at home. And I've made a, a makeshift set in the corner of the dining room where we took just, you know, everybody has memorabilia, right? So we just built it into a set, uh, a little miniature set on top of a china cabinet. And uh, we somehow we are getting stuff on the air on a daily basis. We were honestly terrified uh, mm-hmm. that, that we would run out of things to talk about. When, when they first sent us home, when the virus was first hitting and they were shutting everything down, we had, we thought, about nine days worth of content. And uh, the, the three of us in the department, Scott and Christina and I agreed, after about two weeks, we were gonna have to figure out what to do. We thought we might get moved to a different department or maybe furloughed, who knows. Somehow, we've been making things happen every single day. And, uh, and Scott and Christina deserve like the vast majority of the credit for that. But they, whether it's athlete interviews, feature pieces, sometimes there's news, you know, NBA season return or NFL draft. Somehow we filled our normal time every single night with our normal amount of stories without sports going on. I don't know how long that can last, but the fact that it's been almost three months is insane. I did not think that would happen. It's funny you mentioned that. So part of my day job is I do sports updates for radio stations across the country and localized updates. And when it first happened, I was like, okay, we'll be all right for a while. And then the NFL draft was coming up, and I felt like, okay, there's there's enough stuff leading to the draft, but I had no clue what it would be like after the draft. I was I was legitimately worried about having enough content from whenever the draft happened to whenever the next like real sporting events happened. And you're right, it has. I guess it just shows you how powerful sports is in this country because there has been sports news still on an everyday basis. It's it's been. Uh, an interesting test, and I've been so happy that uh, that the the group, not just at my station, but all all across, what you've done and what we've seen with the other TV and radio broadcasters in this area, uh, have been able to continue the continue things going. And yeah, I think the thing it's proved to me, the thing I learned from it is, uh, I don't it, we we don't have to talk about how the Brewers bullpen is structured today mm-hmm. to have a topic. There's always a topic, and there's always a, enough to, to make it very interesting. I mean, the, you know, sports here uh, is as alive as it's been, and that's with no sports. Like, yeah. that's the craziest thing I could ever have imagined. So when sports gets back, I it, I don't I don't know if it'll seem easier or harder by then, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, it's been challenging, but it's been a good challenge, I think. Uh, I'll, as we start to wrap up, what's your confidence level that we're going to see some version of baseball this year? I think it's under 50% now. Really? It was, you know, a week or two ago, I think we were at 80, 85%. Yeah. But to see the sides with their heels dug in and, and missing, uh, I, I call them deadlines. I mean, the point is you, they wanted to start July 4th. And at this point, that seems all but gone. Uh, you'll need a spring training. You'll need that sort of thing. There's got to be a voice of reason in the room. Uh, it, when I When I say that, the players and owners doing this back and forth and, and where there's a proposal being offered and no counter, you know, they're just saying, no, we're just, we're, we're rejecting that. There's not a negotiation actually happening. Somebody in the room has got to be the voice of reason. Somebody has got to be the person to say, look, it's going to be best for everybody. If, if we do this, even if the players have to take a little less than they want, even if the owners lose a little bit of money in 2020, 
there is a greater good, and the greater good is for the game of baseball. That's, if that voice doesn't exist, there's no season. If that voice does exist, please listen, players and owners, because we would like to have some sort of season. Do you think that voice exists? I don't know who it is. Yeah. I really don't. And, and it's the problem, I think, is that voice has to be impartial, and the room. there's nothing in the room that's impartial. It's either players so far on one side or owners so far on the other side. Like this – you know, I, I want to be the Kool-Aid man. I want to crash into that meeting, break a brick wall down and say, look, you guys sit down and let's talk greater issues here. But I don't know where they meet, so it, it can't be me, I guess. Seems like the great negotiators are, are individuals who can go into a room, beat the living you-know-what out of each other during that meeting and really fight for what they believe in, but then walk out and go have a beer together. And... I don't know if that exists between the two sides right now. You need a, a uniter. It's it's interesting too because that you could say that in a greater sense too uh, in, in, the, in what's happening in the U.S. right now. You need a uniter, and that sometimes that that uniter has to take people off of where you get wrapped up in your position. If you're the players, if you're the owners, if you're talking something outside of baseball, you get wrapped up in a position. You feel so passionately about that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the, I think the uniter can do a good job of getting you to think beyond your individual position, to have you think in, in terms of other things. And that's, like you say, if you could find someone, whoever whoever settled the, you know, the strikes in 81 and then eventually 94, 95 in, in baseball, if, if that sort of thing exists where you get the, the sides together and, you know, you can still have valid thoughts and valid points, but you, you work in, in accordance with something greater, a greater good then it's there. But yeah, man, I, that, that person, you described him perfectly. Now, if you find him, let's, let's get him in the room, you know? Yeah. It's uh, and again, we don't not even get into it, but this has such implications with another, another collective bargaining agreement coming up. At some point, I wonder if, if it gets far enough down the line where it's either a 50 game season or nothing, do the players and owners just say, let's punt on this one, but let's get together right now to work out a collective bargaining agreement so we're not doing this again five, you know, 15 months from now. I'll tell you, if you offered that agreement to me as a fan today, I would take it. I would too. Uh, right? Because yeah. that's you're, you're talking about the, the something down the road being saved. Because my what, what I'm really scared of is that there's no 2020 and that 2022, after the CBA is done, gets affected too. And baseball is – ill-equipped to afford one of these hits i don't know if it handles two of them without it being significantly changed so if that was if that's eventually what happened where they say why don't we spend the rest of 2020 sorting out our differences and and make everything right from there i'd i'd take it i would take this summer off from baseball if it meant the sport was right after that i would i would absolutely uh, do that well uh, all that being said, I hope you and I are in a press box together here sooner than later. I don't know if that's going to happen. We don't know what the media is even going to be allowed. Like we don't know anything. But um, it's a, you know we're doing this call on Zoom. At the very least, it's good to see you, Kevin. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be talking again real soon. Yeah, Matt. Good to see you too. Good again. As I said at the beginning, good to talk baseball. And, and fingers crossed that that we can see each other in person. I'll buy you an ice cream in the press box. How about right. that? Sounds sounds like a plan. I'll have you go get it for me and everything. Thanks, Kevin. You got it. Kevin Holden joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That's just about going to uh, wrap up 
this week's podcast. You know, last week I went on and on and on at the beginning uh, about the current situation and the, the negotiations and the proposals and everything. And I got done recording. I posted the podcast and not even an hour later, uh, that's when a proposal got sent in, uh, in one direction. I think that was the player's proposal, the 114 gamer, if I remember correctly. Everything that's happened kind of runs into each other. I am hope- basically my entire opening monologue on last week's podcast became somewhat not true anymore based off the information that came out about an hour after the podcast was posted. So we'll see what happens this week. We'll see if it's the exact same situation where I post this podcast and then the large portion of my uh, open up uh, opening of the podcast isn't uh, real relevant anymore. But no matter what, the conversation with Kevin is uh, relevant and I appreciate him taking a little bit of time and I appreciate you being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.